You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. Well, you're very, very welcome. My name is Ahanu, and with me is my lovely Angel Rose. And today we have a couple with us who are of the Oak tradition, O-A-K, and Angel Rose and I, we have been uh, all about the Twin Oaks for such a long time. Twin Oaks. Do you remember that, Angel Rose? I do, Anno. That's our tree, all right? That's right. That's right. But this family, they spell their name slightly different. It comes from German origin, O-C-H-S. Still the same pronunciation. Yes. But why we have them with us today is because when I was very, very young, you weren't around, but I remember asking my mother questions like, how did Mrs. Mary, Mother Mary, get pregnant without a man? And she wasn't able to answer me these questions. She just could not answer the question. And then, of course, growing up in Holy Catholic Ireland, I became an altar boy. And I was a fantastic altar boy. I mean, I had a halo around my head. Get out of here. You were drinking the wine in the back room. Who are you no, kidding? No, you weren't supposed to know that. Now you've let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> Nobody knew that. Well, I had to say it when you said you had a halo around your head. I yes. didn't want to deceive our listeners. But here's the thing. This holy Catholic little boy, as an altar boy, <laughs> I used to look up at, at the side of the church and there was this fantastic big sculpture of a man crucified on a cross with blood pouring out of his head from the crown of thorns and blood pouring down his side and as a little child I must have been only seven eight nine years of age maybe and I remember asking myself first of all what on earth am I doing in this place of torture because that's what it was I mean why would anybody hang up an icon of torture I just couldn't figure it out and I went home and I asked my mother I said what's going on with this business of a dead man in the church and she couldn't answer me she said this is what we are led to believe and this is why we have this beautiful couple with us today Daryl and Deanna Oaks because we want to find out all about what we've been led to believe and what's actually a little bit more like the truth behind it all are you open this Pandora's box with this one uh-huh I know yes so she don't be surprised if when you go to check the recording of this today, that we find that this had government interference. Uh-huh. Or there Vatican interference. Hate mail in, in the <laughs> inbox, which we've had it before. And we'll, yes. we'll have it again. So let's bring him in. I think I'm going to leave now. <laughs> you can't leave now. You're the subject of our conversation today. Oh, boy. So say hello. Deanna, you're very, very welcome, too. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I will work on so, it. So, Daryl. How did you get into looking at spirituality as opposed to religion itself? Well, actually very similar to what you just described as a young boy, except I waited until I was midlife. And I was pastoring a conservative Christian church at the time. And what I saw happening with myself and our members didn't, uh, it just didn't square with what I understood Jesus was about. And every time I try to bring that up uh, in, a, in a committee meeting or any kind of a uh, involvement with other people, it was like, huh? It just didn't compute. People didn't understand what I was asking. And what were you actually noticing was the discrepancy 
Can you be specific? Yes, easily. Inhumanity to each other. Um, anger, resentment, quick to judge, passing judgment, exacting uh, some kind of retribution. It was all those emotional elements of life that supposedly Jesus was the opposite of. Yes, that's exactly what I was finding as a child, that you're, you're being brought up in a system that was totally the opposite of what you were led to believe. Exactly. Deanna, were you raised the same way? Yes, I was. You were, were you Catholic, Methodist? Uh, Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh-day Adventist. And what are they like? I mean, do they still have the crucified Jesus oh, yes. hanging there and it's the same sort of thing? Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's not nearly to the extent that you probably experienced within the Catholic Church. Okay. But it, it's a very central part of uh, conservative evangelical Christianity. You take away the cross or you change that picture in any way and the whole concept of uh, sin and salvation and, and whatever heaven repent. hell is, it, it just, it's, yeah, repentance, it, it, yeah. it's lost. And people are asking questions now that they've never asked before. Or were afraid to ask. Uh, right. Because the church had such power and control over people. And also that whole mental threat that, you know, if you don't do what we say or you go against or you believe something else, you're going to hell fire for the rest of eternity. I mean, what kind of a threat is that? Well, it's pretty effective. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. yeah but it, it doesn't really change humanity. In other words, religion aside just for a moment, people are this way to each other all over the place. I mean, not that people aren't also loving because you do have people who care about each other and help one another. But in general, the population still believes in fear, uh, they believe in guilt, they believe in punishment. The whole system of government, the whole system of the justice system is based on guilt. And that's the case in every religion though. I mean, it might seem like we're... It's not just religion is what I'm saying. It's yeah. humanity. Yeah. It's, it's in the collective unconscious, Here's my feeling. Here's the thing. I feel somewhat uh, able to talk about Catholicism because I was born and reared in that tradition. You know, and as I said, coming from Holy Catholic Ireland, there was no other choice. But the fact is, you know, our sh our radio show is called the Honest to God series, and it's because we believe that there's some kind of a universal truth that comes down through all religions. So we're not religion bashing at all by any means, and you know, I'm I'm not going to make any apologies. I'm simply asking questions, like I was when I was a child, saying, "How can this be right? How can this be true?" And you, Daryl, have asked a lot of these questions because of your own background, but now also you're beginning to put them down on paper. You're beginning to write it out. And we have a system that we've been using for quite some years of what we call transformational writing. And it's now a home study course, but what it does is it allows you to be able to articulate these inner conflicts. And when they're on paper, they're undeniable. Truth comes out. So tell us about your experience of writing out these things on so paper. So where were you a year ago when I started this book? Transformational <laughs> writing. I could have used you a year you ago. You could have. Indeed, you could. <laughs> Daryl has mentioned a book. It's called Guidebook for Subversive Christians. And it's in the process of writing. We're not going to be able to give you any details about it just yet. But it's going down on paper and it will be available. And I think it's going to rock and shake up people's beliefs. 
Well, I don't know about the uh, rock and roll part. Um, I think there are a lot of people within the broad Christian community, um, especially the more progressive churches that are willing to at least consider some things differently. There are many, many people who have just given up on church and or are afraid they're going to because they can't go along with what's happening. So those are the people that I'm writing for and to because that's my, been my experience. I was that 40 years ago. And having come from that position of, of being uh, a true believer and now seeing all of those things differently, those things being our belief systems that we grew up with, that we accepted and articulated, I understand what it's like to be afraid, to be alone, to be, to be um, unsure and insecure. You change anything within a religious system and it takes away our security. What do I do now? And usually partners or husbands and wives can fairly honestly share their deepest belief systems, no matter what it might be. But when you were putting down on paper your let's call them these ideas about the, the, the Jesus of the Bible being subversive, because that's the name of your forthcoming book, Guidebook for Subversive Christians. How did you react, Deanna, to his ideas that Jesus was a subversive? I think we should say what he means by that first. Well, no, let, let's let yeah. Diana feel, let, give yeah. us a feel for what was going on between the two of you as this began to unfold. I just did not understand what he was trying to say. I did not um, have a, a personal relationship with with his words because essentially I gave up my quotes Christianity long time ago. Right. Yeah. Right. And I hear him when he speaks the words. I don't always hear him when I read the words. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Could we address the subversive word, though? Because it's a powerful word, and it might mean different things to different people. Don't so count yeah. on that. It does. And that's why it takes a lot of uh, searching and playing with words, because no words that we use, no word can ever convey what you're really trying to say. Mm -hmm. It can point to it. So we need more words and more words, and that oftentimes gets in the way of what we're trying to accomplish. But subversive for me is simply counter-intuitional, counter, um, uh, against the norm. Um, a subversive person is not a confrontational person, it doesn't need to be. But they go behind the scenes and accomplish what they feel needs to happen from a soft, loving, and um, in within our culture, often very subversive way of accomplishing what you want to do. So you're not talking about a radical or a fundamentalist. I'm, are you? I'm not sure what your question is. Well, you know how we have in today's world, everybody's familiar with f uh, fundamentalists right. who who really. Uh, 
go out and <laughs> shake up the system. Biblical literalism, uh, every word is a word of God and it's inspired and, and you don't have any choice, you take it. The only problem is that every other person has a different interpretation of what that means. But So I don't have anything to do with that mindset, no. Uh, subversive is not, it is radical, but it's radical in a counterpart too. So one of the first things where my faith started to get shaky within the church was, how can you say you love Jesus and you love me and treat that person that way? How, how, how does that Or only about? if you're saved do you get the love. Yes. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So when you were writing down these thoughts, were you beginning to see a different kind of Jesus or a different kind of Christianity in general? Oh, dramatically so. That's why I've chosen after 35 years to actually come back to speak to my roots, to that Christianity that I grew up with and, and that I spent so much of my life serving and being part of and I thought I'd never talk about it or to it again. And here, 35 years later, I feel the call back into that environment to say, you know, there are alternatives here. Right. There are different ways of looking at life. Yes. Now, I have a question because I have direct experience of in my own family where um, one member of my family was quite ill. So the issue of their own mortality started to come up and they had given up religion you see, years and years and years ago. And when they were faced with this mortality issue, suddenly they decided that they were going to go back to religion again. Okay, now, they believed it was faith returning to them. But that's not what you mean when you say go back to your roots of your belief systems. No, it isn't. It's a very personal way of languaging that I'm willing to step back into the environment of my background right. and my training. You know, college, um, postgraduate degrees, and years of working within the church environment, that's all a part of an environment that has to be addressed very gently, very carefully, because anything, and, and one of the things I'm learning constantly is, I'm not here to attack that. I'm here to say, yes, I love Jesus. And I love God. Well, we have to take a very, very quick little studio break here. But when we come back, I want to find out about how, what you would propose or how you would see people taking on a new way of looking at Jesus or a new way of living or loving. So we'll be right back after this. Years of research, thousands of profound statements, hundreds of sessions, miles of transcripts, months of listening, a vast archive of personal power and spiritual awareness awaits you. Join worldofempowerment.com today, a members-only website of practical spirituality for your fast-changing world. worldofempowerment.com well, welcome back, everybody, to our riveting conversation today about Christianity and Jesus and, you know, the different belief systems we've all been brought up in uh, in the past and about people who are disenchanted 
with the dogma now and leaving churches. And Daryl and Deanna are here to talk to us today about an alternative way of looking at all this. So welcome back, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. So here we are. Now what? Yes. Would you address that question about <laughs> what you would propose or how in your writing and in your forthcoming book, you, you must have some suggestions or ideas about how people can look at these old dogmas and these old belief systems in a different way? Well, the book, I anticipate, will have 16 or 17 chapters. I'm not quite done yet. And maybe I'll never be done, but I'll stop at some point. And so each chapter represents an answer to your question. It's my perspective and perception of what, how life functions by looking at a different story. So we all trace our beliefs to stories, whether we inherited them or we accepted them, but they can always be changed. And as long as you insist that your story is the only story or the best story, then you shut the door to anything new showing up. So one of the first things that I think uh, as mature humans, as we're evolving, is to face the fact that maybe our story is just outdated. Some refer to this as, as a new paradigm that's appearing within our culture, and I think that's a pretty accurate statement. A new paradigm doesn't just flick a switch and suddenly everything's different, but we can consider a different story. So for me, the different story is what allows my beliefs to change. Are you willing to consider any aspects of a different story? And I think that's where it has to start, with a curiosity. A curious mind is the only way to, to cooperate with our evolution. So let me ask Deanna then, because you would have grown up with a, that strict Seventh-day Adventist type of uh, an approach to life and loving and religion and belief systems and dogma and all of that. So was it like living with a man who's, who's looking at all of this in a very different way? Do you feel that it it kind of draws you in also to look at it differently? Or do you feel that you would still remain some kind of a connection to that old way of looking at things? I don't f feel any connection to the old way. Um, I think unbeknownst to me, I started having questions even in our first two, three years when Darrell was a pastor of the churches. And when I saw what wasn't there and what different ones came to, to hear Daryl talk about, it was amazing the amount of people that would show up that never been to church before because they heard something different that they wanted to hear. Right, right, yeah. So, so Daryl, what, what is this big difference that you're wanting people? What is your belief about what Jesus was really like and what he was trying to say? I think Jesus was an, an advanced soul. He was um, maybe what some people would call a master. And he understood the way the universe functions much more clearly than we've ever given him credit for. So his greatest teaching was that uh, we're all one. Uh, I'm in the Father, you're in me, we're all the same thing. And we can't deny that if we look at the 14 billion years of our evol sacred evolutionary story either. That's what that teaches us also. Well, here we've got 
a 14 billion year history of a physical universe saying the same thing to us now scientifically that Jesus was teaching 2,000 years ago. And his disciples, yeah, they, they kind of got it. But, you know, they didn't even start writing what, what little they understood for 30, 40, 50 years before they wrote anything down. So there's, there's a lot of room for shifting and changing. But the story underneath it is we all come from the same place. We are the same thing. And we are related and interact, interactively related with each other in some unique and powerful ways. And if you get that, then you can love yourself and you can love your neighbor, which is the same thing as loving God. So what's happened within religion in general is that there's a distinction between loving God, loving your neighbor, and I'll forget about loving me. I don't have to love myself. Well, that was all Jesus ever did and talked about. He went where he wasn't expected to go. He said things he wasn't expected to say. And he was a threat to the Romans. And he was a real pain in the neck for the Jewish leaders. And the common people heard him uh, gladly. But as soon as things got rough for Jesus, everybody deserted him. He ended up, you know, the last few minutes of his life totally deserted by everybody. It says that right in the New Testament. He was alone. Oh, gee, I can't stand the thought of being alone. Give me a God that can protect me and, and keep me from having to actually live life. No. Give me a life that's willing to embrace whatever shows up in a new way. Yeah, where we don't kill each other for their, our belief systems. Yeah. Which is rampant today, isn't it? Yes. Sure is. But that view, though, that you put forward of Jesus then in a, in a new and radical way, it's, it's it's not that uh, different in the sense that it's still loving. You're portraying Jesus as being somebody who knew far more than, than he's been given credit for, albeit the fact that he was supposedly the son of God. But, you know, I have a question about that because, and it's a question coming from when I was seven years of age, so, and I still haven't found the answer to it. So perhaps you might enlighten me and thereby hopefully enlighten our listeners. You just make my life complete if I could enlighten you. <laughs> well, here's the question. And I asked my mother this and I asked my father this and I asked priests this and I could never get an answer. That if Jesus was supposed to be the son of God, why would God allow his son to be brutally murdered the way he was? I mean, what father, what God would allow that to happen? No God that I know of. So open the Pandora's box here and explain. <laughs> well, I think that um, <laughs> you, you may, if I, if I try to answer your question, you may never have any more listeners. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the game will be over. Huh? <clears throat> That's not the story. Okay. There's another element of the story we've accepted in our cultures. Right. And it's not just westernized culture. It's all cultures. You can go the Eastern traditions, you can go the, the indigenous traditions. Their elements of the stories are very similar, okay. no matter where they come from and when they arose. So we need a new story. And the only story that I know how to trust is the story of the universe itself because all the stories about God are, are either 
incomplete, inaccurate, or just not true. Yes. Partially, but not totally. Yes. There's truth in all of this. Is there truth in the story of God designing a system and a process that would um, callously murder his son? No, it's not there. Well, I'm glad you said that because that is the conclusion that I came to as but well. But what is the other story? If that didn't if that didn't happen, what did happen? That would be another a story for another time. Oh, talk about passing the buck. <laughs> no, it wants to no. make sure we still have listeners, he, he so that is, they'll come back for for no. Or two. This is fun. I want to be invited. Back. <laughs> he will. You see, this is the thing. This is the sign of a good writer because he drops these little teasers in here that keeps you. I got to read the next chapter. I got to read the next chapter. And so he's dropped the same teaser into our listeners. You got to come back and find out. Yeah, he does that all the time. Okay. Uh, I see who we have here. Well, and, and oftentimes it's because I don't know yet. I know there's something more coming. I don't know what it is, so I just keep moving forward. This is my curious mind that I love so much, and I'm so delighted to have been able to develop over the last two dozen years because back when I was in the ministry in the mid-'70s, I didn't have much curiosity. I had it all cut and dried. I knew what the truth was. Just listen to me and do it my way, and, and everything will be fine. And then suddenly nothing was fine. Nothing worked. Mm -hmm. And I went into the, into the wilderness for 25 years before I ever began to see light again. Uh, that's not necessary. You don't have to live in fear. And, see, they're, they're, giving, they're giving him an opportunity this lifetime to balance the karma of teaching those pe poor people all that time. <laughs> Well, when I was about this, this when I was God, them, who they was, loved it. Well, they, they were they were of the same story. Yes, they were. I was. Yeah, I know. I'm just teasing you. Yeah, I know you are. So this is the reverse. Now. But that's what we what we do with each other all the time. Oh, that's my story. I recognize that story. Let's you and I start a group. Mm. Well, today I would much rather start a group with somebody who believes totally different than I do. It's much more intriguing and enjoyable because I don't have to validate anybody's story. Right, that's true. I get to be curious about everybody's story. Now, you did mention that uh, you, uh, something that is coming, and I think everybody's aware that we are in a time of change where, funny, that's the name of Angel Rose's book. Let me put in a quick plug. You can get it from timeofchange.info. Yes, it's time of change. But also, back 2,000 years ago, we were in a time of change also, that whole exodus from Egypt. And I'd like to read a tiny little extract from Daryl Oak's book, forthcoming book, that says about the exodus from Egypt. If we misunderstood this narrative, then everything else is a game of poker, a crapshoot, pure speculation. That puts most of Christianity in the speculation business. <laughs> that pretty well says it. Um, everybody has their opinion of what Christianity means. I'm not interested in your opinion of what it means. Show me the goods. How do you live your life? And tell me what I should believe and what you believe. I want to see how you deal with the, uh, the homeless and the hungry and the disadvantaged and the disfranchised and the people that nobody else wants to talk about. I want to see how you personally relate to the, the, the gays and the lesbians and the cross-genders and, and the, uh, 
the radical political movements, Democrat or Republic. Show me how you respond when you're driving down the road and you see somebody that that cuts in front of you uh, unnecessarily and threatens your safety on the road. How do you respond in times like that? That's what I'm interested in. And I, and I think what he's what I'm hearing him talk about is we seem to have lost our our heart. And you know, to me, the the heart in people is the thing that is organic. It's the common sense. It's the you know before anybody told you anything, before anybody taught you how to be prejudiced or, you know, that there was some difference between us. One was acceptable and one wasn't acceptable. You know, before anybody taught you those things, you know, the normal human would have had a heart that was intact. And, you know, quickly, it reminds me of that story of in Summerhill School of the, uh, everybody can look up Summerhill in England. It's a democracy school. And all the children make the decisions. And uh, the story of a, a boy who was boarding there who stole another boy's bike. And they have an assembly and they allotted some punishment to the boy. And of course in the democracy, the, the guilty party appealed <laughs> like the sentence. So actually the children all reconvened and they took a new vote and their solution this time was to all pitch in and buy this, buy, this boy a bicycle. And that, that tells a story, but it tells you that in a true heart-centered organization like that, or when we're coming together, what a difference in terms of you either allot a punishment to somebody, or instead you, you kind of bring him into the fold and you include him and embrace him and give him what he feels he's lacking. And they all did it together in love. And it was a totally different solution, but it makes the point. Okay, that instead of dividing and allotting and punishing and segregating, you know, if we really did come together with what is what it would love's answer be in a human, true human way, we would come up with very different solutions. Well, we've had we've had that solution uh, within our language for for thousands of years, and we call it the golden rule, but it no longer makes sense because we don't pay any attention to that, what it really means. It's loving the other person the way I would like to be loved if that was me. That's right. And that's a powerful way of approaching any situation, but it takes practice. Mm -hmm. It takes explanation. It takes somebody brave enough to stand up and do it so you can see what it's like. Well, that's a beautiful note on which to finish. We are at the end of our program today, and we have been delighted to be in the company of of Daryl and Deanna Oaks, and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us. And you know what? You've left so many doors open, and you've left so many, dropped so many teasers in there that when you do get to publish and launch this book, we will have we will open an invitation to you to come back and speak about it to our listeners, because I'm sure, like us, they will be intrigued to find out more about it. There's one final thing that you did say in the opening uh, introduction to your book. You said, join me in this intriguing look at a gospel we seldom meet, but be forewarned, it might prove to be subversive. So with that, we'll say thank you for listening and goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.